it seems that the middle of our journey is the hardest. Those times when we have no idea what's up ahead, all we see is more and more road. Unsure of when that bend is going to happen and we can see an end in sight. The proclivity is to go back to where we started, but man, that even seems out of reach. God, where are you? Help me. When we are no longer relying on our vision, on our foresight, on our knowledge, on our ability, we are put in a position to have to trust God. James tells us in chapter one, starting in verse two, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and lack and complete, lacking nothing. This is Brittany Dixon with Courageous Radiance Podcast. I'm so grateful that you have joined today. We are going to be finishing the book of Esther in chapters 9 and 10. Let's hop in. Hey friend, welcome. I hope that you have been following along on this month journey through the book of Esther. I pray that it has blessed you incredibly. It has given you some new information and just some tools for your tool belt and really just grown your anchor in the Lord. That is what this podcast is about, is about your anchor, your ability to sit at Christ's well. And we do that through unhurried time with God, just our oneness and fellowship with God, as well as um, in his word, because he is always going to be in alignment with it. So we do ourselves a favor. We are working on our better version when we are in alignment with God. And um, today we are wrapping this up already in chapters nine and 10. And I actually want to take a little bit of a different spin um, than just going uh, verse by verse, kind of a summary of the, the chapters in terms of how we've done it so far. Only because just where my life is right now in this, in this current season And when I think of past seasons that God, by his grace, has brought me through and just shoulder to shoulder with some people that um, are really going through some very difficult times. And it has been very enlightening in my quiet time, in my unhurried time with God, that it's not just about checking the box that we have read the book of Esther but applying its principles this this is the bible is is a story from cover to cover it is it is a it's it's one big great story god's story in which we are a part of and we can you know our lives won't directly be in the book of esther but we can use principles from this big greater story that we still fit in today by reading god's word and and seeing the faithfulness of God. So in my time, it was just a a quick reminder, really just kind of a nudge from the Holy Spirit of just, Brittany, you know what to do. And for me, (laughs) it's humbling because you know how you know what to do 
but you don't want to do it or you know what to do and it's hard to do. That's where I feel like I'm at within my own life. And then in terms of a very, very uh, dear friend of mine um, who's walking through a very bad battle right now and just a friend at work who I've, I mean, it's just kind of been a couple st- different stories. There's um, someone on my daughter's uh, basketball team that their family is going through things. So prayer on that. And these trials, these situations that we all face at some point or will face, how are we going to get equipped for them? And I love the verse in James that it's really different, right? It kind of seems backwards to rejoice and abound in in peace, overflowing, you know, cup overflowing when you're in the valley. Like that's the last thing that I'm thinking of is overflowing in my own life, let alone in somebody else's. I'm just trying to just exist, just get through. But yet we're to count it all joy. How is that possible, God? You want me to thank my trial. That's what I get from that. You want me to look at this circumstance in a way that it's serving me. You know, when I go to the gym, well, I'm not going to the gym anymore, but like when I ride on the Peloton or I'm using the tonal machine or if I go out for a power walk or a run or something, that serves me both short term, you know, I get some endorphins and it it serves me long term. If I'm consistent with it, I start to have more energy. I have more cardiovascular endurance and strength and resistance toning. And, you know, not to mention that the scale is going to tip in my favor and stuff might fit a little bit different. It's serving me. I don't want to. It doesn't feel good, but it's serving me both short and long term. I think what happens in the middle or in the meanwhile when I don't really know that this is serving me, God, like how is this difficult husband or this difficult child or losing my job or financial strain or health diagnoses or ailing parents or relationships which are falling apart or some other type of strife in my life, how is that serving me? It doesn't seem as connect the dots as I drink water and my kidneys are flushed and, you know, or I'm working out, I'm eating healthy. It, it doesn't seem as much of an immediate relief. And therefore, unlike when I'm working out, I lose faith in doing it. I, I lose endurance. I lose the ability to keep tracking forward. It almost seems easier to just quit, right? What about you? I mean, what, what in your life have you past tense Are you present tense or think about the future? Will you quit in the future? Sometimes going back to the last thing that God has told us to do, the last thing that God shared, if the last thing that God shared with me was two years ago and I have not heard anything since, have not felt an impression since, but the last thing that he shared is I am with you, Man, I better have that written on my forehead, on every mirror that I go look in. Get a tattoo. Well, don't get a tattoo. I'm just being dramatic. But I'm saying, 
That is my meat and sustenance. And that's all I have. So through this faith stretching, this, this faith refinement, it's not easy. And when I was reading in, in Esther 9 and 10, and it's just, we finished off in chapter 8 where, you know, uh, 7 and 8 where Haman's dead. You know, he died, um, hung on the gallows. And there's this honoring of Mordecai. There's this reversal of Mordecai's life and situation. And then it's this reversal of this edict, which was meant to annihilate the Jews within these 127 provinces under King Azarias. And it's this reversal. It's this exchange of mourning with times of praise and rejoice. I mean, Esther, a nobody, is now in a place in a position. Mordecai, a nobody, is now in second to command of King Azarias in the kingdom. They're making Queen, uh, Queen Esther and, and her cousin Mordecai made the edict which would stand above the edict prior. The edict prior has lesser value. Now in the kingdoms all over these provinces, there's still people who align with the deceased Haman and who still want to exercise the prior edict, which again, back then he couldn't undo it. So he just wrote, this is King Azarias. So a new edict was just issued in place to cover over the prior, but there's still people who are like, "Mm -mm, I still have a whole edict that says I can kill these Jews. So the in these provinces, there's there's going to be a battle, <laughs> fighting, a, a loss, and 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 the Jews are going to defend themselves. And I love that even though the edict written by Queen Esther and and Mordecai says to get rid of even down to children and women, etc. I love it that even though it's it's almost like how Paul talks about everything is permissible, but is it beneficial? Because they didn't just kill just to be killing. They didn't just, you know, and this is um, this meaning the the Jews. They did not just intentionally go look to kill the people who were against them. They were merely defending themselves. It says, and this is in chapter nine. Uh, verse five, the Jews put all their enemies to the sword, killing and destroying them. They did what they pleased to those who hated them. In the fortress of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce all these, but as well as the 10 sons of Haman. And But at the end of verse 10, it says here, however, they did not seize any plunder. So again, it's almost like you've got this ability but God still is like, mm, this is as far as I'm going to take you. For us, what that means is in um, we have the fruits of the spirit, right? So one of those is, one of those nine fruits of the spirit is self-control. So it's, it's, it's drawing a line spiritually where it's like, okay, 
I can go to the 10th power, but God said, this is as far as you're going to go. Just defend yourselves. Don't go to the 18th power. No revenge. Revenge is, is up to me. And what happened in this is there was enough fear, which was established in those who were meaning to come against the Jews, that 500 people, I mean, I, it's not like this was thousands. I mean, a, one life is a lot. But I was expecting, I guess, I'm just if in my prediction, I was just expecting in 127 provinces from, you know, India to Kush. So in to India to nowadays Ethiopia, that's a massive span of, of land space. I would have expected there to be more people who were coming against them. Um, but in verse three in chapter nine, it says all the officials of the provinces and satraps, the governors and the royal civil administrators aided the Jews because they feared Mordecai. For Mordecai exercised great power in the palace and his fame spread throughout the provinces as he became more and more powerful. So it's almost like you still have these rebels who are going to come against, but overall there was a subduing. There was an alignment with, yeah, even if we didn't really like the Jews, even if we maybe would have carried this out, now we're scared of their of their God. We're going to be in alignment with them. And I I think that, again, com- coming from where Mordecai was in sackcloth and ashes and mourning and, you know, in no position to now people in high positions, administrative leadership positions are fearing him and his God, because this is still a pagan, primarily a pagan godless culture. And look at the influence now that his position through God by way of God has afforded him. Nothing but the Lord. Again, it just seems backwards when I think of joy and peace and trials or bad times. Just this overall, while this trial is serving me and my character, right? It seems backwards to rejoice in that or to rely in that and hope in that. But appearances are really not what they seem. To me, you know, and this this goes all the way back to the very beginning. Appearances are not what they seem. It, it appeared that Pharaoh in, in Egypt um, was in all of his position, was unstoppable, unmovable. And yet God wiped him and the Egyptians following him out. And yet he made a way for Moses and the Israelites through the ocean <laughs> on dry land, not on a boat. God parted the sea. It appeared that Joseph was dead and that this great dream that he has was really just something that he made up. It seems that his life was gone, but God was keeping him in safety, even in all of the trials against him, even in these near-death experiences and these inconveniences and these detours. God was character developing uh, Joseph while he was hidden and providing for him underground until the right time. And like Mordecai, to me, the story seems parallel. Like Mordecai, Joseph ended up being second in, com- in command. And just like, and now Mordecai, second in command. What a reversal. 
it appeared that God was missing in the life of the exiles that he, you know, the Babylonians, King, ne King Nebuchadnezzar, I try to say that 10 times very fast. King Nebuchadnezzar was in rule and all powerful and all of the things. And it seemed that, you know, the exile for 70 years, just over 70 years, it seemed that, and then now this edict, right? So not even just the exile, the fact that they were still spread out and not all of them had made their way back to Jerusalem. They were still scattered. And now this edict is coming out to say, you guys are all going to die. It seems like, God, where are you? Seriously. How is this happening? Where does God appear to be missing in your life is my only question. And maybe this is nowhere now in this season, but maybe it's something that you can journal or think on, bring to your quiet time with God, with where he brought you from prior. Because I swear it's amnesia, y'all. Like I will, unless I'm intentionally thinking about the good things, it's like I have to intentionally set my mind on a spirit of gratitude every single morning throughout the day and as I wrap up the night. Thinking on gratitude, 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 gratitude. Now, gratitude mindset does not mean that I'm just going to say, oh, all things are great. Like that's lying to myself, A, and B, God, and then C, whoever else that I'm supposed to be doing life with. This is not pretending that everything is okay when it's not okay. But it's saying in spite of it being not okay, I'm okay because of my position with God. I don't have to pretend that all things are all things and it's great and it's great. But at the same time, I'm also not overtaken by the waves because of my position with God. I was talking to my aunt recently and um, my mom's younger sister, and she said we were talking about the story of a friend of hers. Um, and she said, I loved it. She said, um, it's a win-win with God. Win-win. Either way we win. And, and this made me think of, and I mentioned this to her and I couldn't quite place where it was. And I looked it up and studied. It's Philippians 1 verses 20 through 21. And it's honoring Christ in our life here, realizing that while we're here, there's purpose and there's calling. And there's someone, I posted this on Instagram, man, there's somebody. Um, I was I was humbled by this when I was studying it, which is why I posted it, because I thought of all of the different people along the way of my journey to God, from my parents to start that, all the way to where I met Jada Edwards at her table in discipleship. And there was a gentleman, Pastor Marvin Williams, um, at my best friend's church growing up, and man, he made such an impact in waves and he would always pass nuggets to me. And it was always, always, always based in that God loves me. Somehow he didn't ever say it the exact same way, but I was a 14 year old girl who knew nothing about nothing and was confused and my life was a mess and it was just a mess. Okay. And even though I still didn't walk with the Lord, like I'm, I'm not going to say perfectly, <laughs> Even though I didn't walk with the Lord, I'll just leave it like that for about a decade later. That seed of God loving me and that God has a plan for me and that regardless of how much I have messed up, that God still loves. I mean, listen, when I thought through all of the people in the lineup of my life, 
that have shared or been instrumental, faithfully obedient to say and to do the things that God told them to say or to do. It's all about God. He has set this all up. When I think of this book of Esther, this has all been a setup. Your life, there is a setup for something bigger. And as my aunt said, this is a win-win. Philippians uh, 1, 20 through 21. Either way, whether you live or you die, it's, it's a win-win. Either way. Either way, Mordecai said in Esther, if we remember in Esther 4, verses uh, 13 and 14. Remember, this was the part when Esther didn't feel equipped. <laughs> she didn't feel equipped to her calling. She was like, uh, I don't know that I can go talk to the king. I'm going to die. I could die. It's too, much of a, it's too much of a risk. I don't know that I can do that. And Mordecai had to remind her, girl, you are not in this position because of you. God placed you here for a reason, and you now need to roll it out. You have a part. He's done his part. You roll out on your part. And by the way, even if you don't do your part, God's going to do his part. He, he's got a, a backup plan and a backup to the backup. Because again, this is his story. It's not yours. So that's an either way. Mordecai had an either way faith. Either way, God is going to accomplish his purposes. His will will be done with or without you. And I'm almost like, God bless. Like, I love you. I love that the, the, his love doesn't change. But man, your position is, is based on your faithful obedience. So either way, Mordecai was like, God is going to execute his plan and he's going to rise up somebody who is going to save the Jews. And he was even willing to, and not even willing, but just resolved that his life would be gone. Esther's life was gone. But he was like, but either way, the bigger picture is going, the train is going to keep moving. We're on a winning team, friend. We are on a winning team. Think about this today. In whatever difficult space you're going into, you are on a winning team. It is a win-win even with the appearance of loss. There are honest losses going on right now. And I would argue that many of your losses are just even in your expectations, right? Let's not forget the weight of failed expectations on our spirit. In your marriage, do you have this either way faith? Either way. I'd rather lose an argument with my husband. I'd rather lose the ability, instead of me focusing on being right, I'd rather either way be in alignment with loving and submitting to my husband as to the Lord and knowing that either way, God is going to work it out. I don't have to prove or argue or get out of alignment with God. Either way in parenting, man, this is such a difficult season where we are. But either way, whether I see the fruits in my lifetime, I see it in 10 years, 20 years, or I, listen, it never happens in the lifetime of my child. Either way, I am going to do my part. I am willing to take a leave in Tylenol because of my daily headache, dealing with stuff, knowing that I am in alignment with the way that God is calling me to parent distinct 
rebels for Christ kids. Either way, a decisive resilience because of our anchor friend. The last thing I just want to read to you, which, and don't consider this like, oh, well, this is just a wrap. Like this is, this is Jesus. Okay. Jesus said, when you think about taking up your cross in Luke 9, uh, verses 23 and 24, then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. It's illogical to think about denying yourself. It's, it doesn't even make sense on paper, out loud, none of the above. You ain't going to find no study for it. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to take up your cross willingly. But because Jesus said it, to lose your life in order to gain, that is so countercultural. There is no hashtag on social media for it. You just ain't going to find it. But yet, remember, we are going the distance beyond our viewpoint, beyond our limitedness. We're going beyond appearances. Don't look at the appearances of what's on social media. And this is not to wish those people bad. This is just saying, don't, don't think that just because of what you see, don't look at the appearances of your life, friend. The appearance of that wayward child or that haggard marriage. Don't turn your eyes to anything but Jesus Christ. Because just like in this book of Esther that we've wrapped up, that we read, in the life of Mordecai and, and Queen Esther, God is up to something. He is setting you up. He is setting up your life. And remember, either way, even if you don't get to see it in your lifetime, the, the reversal, he is up to something. Remain faithful. And I pray that this has been encouraging you. I pray that you take all of this to your quiet, unhurried time with God. Remember, remember this time every day with God. Minimal five minutes. Listen, your creator, your creator, we have time. We have time. We have time to do everything else. How about time for what's going to sustain you? I really looking forward to next month. We are hopping into a marriage series uh, on this next season with Courageous Radiance with my husband as we are rolling out the marriage devotional next month. I'm really looking forward to that. So whether you are married or not, listen, I wish I knew these principles when I was single. So um, and the goal for us was not just to write a marriage devotion. It, it is, but it is. Our marriage is better because of our individual alignment with God. So these are principles, not just because you're married, but because you're made in the image of God and you're a child of God. Friend, I hope you have an amazing week ahead. Take care. I'll see you here next week.